Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And if you don't notice, there's a little pep in my step, I think, today. Because we have, we have something. We have something to work with. And I think if you're a Giant fan right now, you, you gotta, you gotta feel good. You have to feel good about this organization, or at least for the future, maybe for the first time in a long time, like legitimately optimistic. Like, okay, they're still not close. They still have plenty of holes, but maybe, just maybe, it looks like they have found the new franchise quarterback with Daniel Jones. The Daniel Jones era kicked off in extraordinary fashion on Sunday in Tampa Bay. And I mentioned this before, but if you didn't hear it, I'll repeat it. If you made a scale of 1 to 10 on like what you expected from Daniel Jones, remember first career start on the road against a pretty good defense, Todd Bowles, a guy who likes to pressure a lot, right? If the defense had to play at least well early in the year, we saw they could pressure. Heck, Daniel Jones got beat. Got beat all over the field, but guess what? He went on that scale of 1 to 10. And the way he played was a 12. That's how impressive it was. I mean, off the charts. You're talking about four touchdowns he accounted for. Fought sacked five times. But it didn't matter. It didn't stop him from making plays. See? It's not illegal to be under pressure, to get hit, to get sacked, but still be able to make some plays. Daniel Jones showed he could do it. Deshaun Watson on the Texans has shown he can do it for years. It's possible to do it. And this offense, you have to sit there and be completely honest with yourself. It looked like a different offense with Daniel Jones Instead of Eli Manning. We know about the legs. Daniel Jones is way more athletic. Right? Obviously. Significantly younger. But better athlete anyway than Eli ever was. That's just the skill that he brings to the table. We saw him run the ball a little bit. Run in two touchdowns. Eli Manning is seventh throughout his career. Not saying to mean Daniel Jones would be a better player. But that mobility is definitely at a different level than Eli Manning ever brought to the table. And that's something as a Giant fan... That you're going to get to enjoy moving forward. Two rushing touchdowns, including the game winner with a little over a minute to go. A QB rating of 112.7. Threw for 336 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. This is the good, right? I mean, we, we do usually start with the good bad. The good, we should just go all over and say everything Daniel Jones did. Pretty much. I'll save one little thing for bad. We'll get to that in a little bit. But... I mean, so much optimism. I think if you're a Giant fan, you should feel better about this team after that win. Pretty much, that was the best win since, you know, that, that Super Bowl in what, the early 2012. So since the 2012 season, this is up there probably in the best wins for the Giants. And not because you think this team is going anywhere this year. Or, look, their defense is still not very good. They're now without Saquon Barkley. Get to more on that in a minute. That's a big loss, obviously. They've got their problems. 
But for once, you finally feel like they're headed in the right direction. Because that's how important the quarterback position is. Let me explain to you this. Just how important is that quarterback position? The first two games, Saquon Barkley runs for over 100 yards in each of them. Averages close to 8 yards per carry. The New York Giants as a team don't top 17 points. Do 17 and 14. 31 total points. Okay. Week three, Saquon Barkley has 10 yards on eight rushes. Average of 1.3 yards per carry. Had no room to run. The Bucks were intent putting all their resources in. We're going to stop this guy running the ball. So he does nothing. Gets injured late in the second quarter. Doesn't play in the second half. So Saquon gets injured. Doesn't play. Isn't part of the game. Doesn't provide much at all in this game. And the New York Giants, because of their quarterback play, put 32 points on the scoreboard. That is more than they scored in the first two games combined. This has nothing to do with Saquon Barkley. It's not an indictment on Saquon Barkley. But what it shows you is how important that quarterback position is in today's NFL. That's how you score points in today's NFL, by throwing the football. That's where the big plays happen. And Daniel Jones was making them left and right. Now, what I loved about it was this guy's willingness to throw the ball down the field. It was impressive. Move around the pocket, even under pressure, even after getting sacked, stand in there and make tough throws. I, I've said this for a while, and I thought that was the biggest problem with Eli Manning is his unwillingness, or maybe he was shell-shocked from all the pressure over the years. He wasn't staying in there, making those tough throws under pressure on, on a consistent enough basis. We know he can't run. He never could really run. But he used to be able to move around the pocket better. He used to be able to stand in there. Remember that San Francisco 49ers NFC Championship game where Eli just took a beating. Took an absolute beating from the 49ers. And played, in my opinion, his best game as a New York Giant and led them to the Super Bowl. That disappeared at the, the, the last few years. You weren't seeing that. You were seeing that shoulder dip and, and ducking out of there. But Daniel Jones stood in there and ran a different offense. I mean, the numbers show it. Daniel Jones's air yards per attempt, which is the amount of yards he's actually throwing the ball, right, from where he's throwing it to where it is, 9.4. Okay, Eli Manning was at 7.6 this year, 7.2 last year. So same offense, same plays, just a different way of attacking, a different way of approaching it. Number of passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. This is courtesy of ESPN Stats and Information. 26 Eli Manning threw at or behind the line of scrimmage in two weeks. So, 13, an average of 13 a game. Daniel Jones, the lowest of all quarterbacks in week three. Two passes he threw at or behind the line of scrimmage. Just shows a different approach that he takes. 
to running the same exact offense with the same plays. Because I asked a bunch of guys, and they were all adamant about how they really didn't change that much. But, obviously, with each quarterback, everybody does things differently. And he's more willing. And we saw this in the preseason. We saw this in training camp. It's really uh, probably Daniel Jones is maybe one of his top skills is the way he throws the deep ball. The way he's willing to push the ball down the field without being reckless and completely careless. And it was evident on Sunday. I mean, it really was. Just a dynamite performance. Usually, when you have a quarterback, really it goes for any player. They're making their first career start or real appearance. Maybe he appeared in the opener, he played, but four snaps, we know that was garbage time. Guys come in, they're nervous. The speed of the game is at a level they've never seen before. Quarterbacks just, I mean, it's a, they look lost. A lot of quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, first Start first extended action. Daniel Jones steps in, and you could tell right from that opening series when they moved the ball down the field very well. He looked like he belonged. He was calm. He was collective. Now, this doesn't mean that Daniel Jones is going to go on to be Joe Montana. It's just one game. Just one game. Since the merger, it's the best game since Eric Hipple had in his first career start. And what kind of career did Eric Hipple have? I don't even know much about Eric Hipple. So that'll tell you much about his career. So it really, this doesn't mean Daniel Jones is going to be great. But for one week at least, you could feel pretty good about the direction of the Giants franchise. Because once you have that guy, once you have that quarterback to build around, it just makes everything that much easier. So... For the time being, we at least, and I gave you all Dave Gettleman's worst moves last week because there's been a lot of them. There's a lot of reasons to be concerned. But he appears, and it's very, very early. I'm not going to say he they nailed this pick yet. I don't think anybody should be sold 100% on Daniel Jones. Oh, he's checked all the boxes so far and everything looks good. But Dave Gettleman looks like he might have gotten this one right. And... The reality of the situation, it was always going to come down to this. I've said this from the beginning. This is the most important thing. If you get the quarterback right, almost everything else doesn't matter. So if he nails this, it'll erase. Not erase, but it'll minimize all the mistakes that we listed last week. And there's a lot of them. You don't sign Odell Beckham and then trade him. You don't keep rolling back Eli Manning. I mean, ask ownership if they want to have paid. $30 $30 million, $40 million cash for Eli Manning for five wins the last two years, right? That's not a good investment for anybody. But it is what it is at this point. And if Daniel Jones is the real deal, it'll help us forget all those mistakes. Not forget completely, but it'll sure help erase the pain from some of those past mistakes. And still, I'm going to maintain, I would love for Daniel Jones to be out there right now. And you say, and you seeing him out there with Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. And that could, that could have happened. That should have happened. But it didn't. We'll get to Saquon in a few minutes. 
But some other good from the game. Darius Slayton, sneaky good debut. Had struggled with a hamstring injury all summer. Finally got healthy. Gets on the field, makes some big plays. Three catches, 82 yards, a 45-yarder. Most impressive to me. And this goes with the fact that he developed some camaraderie. He worked with Daniel Jones a lot throughout the spring. And you saw that on the final drive, in the game-winning drive. You see Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones. Perfect timing. I mean, Daniel Jones went back, I believe it was a five-step drop. Hits his, hits his back foot, throws a dart to the outside, right as Slayton was coming out of his break and coming back to the ball. The throw was a little high, Slayton made the catch, but it was perfect. That was an, a big play. Kind of goes a little lost in the shuffle because Sterling Shepard made a bigger play. Obviously got down to fourth down, and Daniel Jones runs it in. The Red Sea parted for the new giant savior. <laughs> a little positive positivity about the defense. At least they played better in the second half. The pressure throughout the game, sneakily much better. Ten quarterback hits. Three sacks. Marcus Golden. Definitely the best pass rusher on this team, in my opinion. Dexter Lawrence played well. DeAndre Baker, a bounce-back game. Much better job from DeAndre Baker. I thought that the Tampa Bay Bucks would sit there and throw at DeAndre Baker all game. Dart, dart, dart. Chris Godwin, boom, 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 boom. Because Janaris Jenkins is following Mike Evans. I thought that would be the easy thing, right? Obviously, go. Attack him. Been a disaster the first two weeks. No. Not at all. Instead... And this is, we'll start with the bad right now. Instead, they go after Janaris Jenkins and just shred him. Whoa. He's supposed to be the best player on this defense. He's the most accomplished player on this defense. But boy, did he get just toasted by Mike Evans. Eight for 190 and three TDs, almost all of it against Janaris Jenkins, who was following him around most of the first half. Made some adjustments in the second half. And I know people are saying, why at the end of the game is Mike Evans getting behind him, and why is he not getting help? But why is Janaris Jenkins letting Mike Evans behind him on the last drive of the game? He's the guy that James Betcher needs to be able to rely on. He's maybe the only guy that has, an, that has a resume that you say, okay, this guy is our best defensive player. He should be. But no, disaster. He needs to play better. He had a rough summer too, so but I was able, I was willing to just brush it off. I didn't think he was great this summer. I was willing to brush it off, saying, "Eh, you know, you know what he brings to the table, right?" Janaris Jenkins, he's a decent player, quality player in this league. I believe he's made a Pro Bowl before, but it's been a struggle early this year for him, and uh, that's something to watch moving forward. Saquon Barkley injures his ankle; he's going to be out a while now, and I think high ankle sprain. And sometimes we've seen these in the past. Could be a bad injury. It sucks. Tough injury. But I think it's what we need to look at it with this. And Saquon Barkley is going to push to get back quickly. He told me after the game, look, I had an injury like this before. I missed two two games. I think it was three weeks, two games. If you're the Giants, you cannot rush him back. You cannot let him rush himself back. He might be a miraculous healer. The new age Adrian Peterson is kind of what I would view him as. Just a physical, you know, anomaly. I could see Saquon Barkley in three weeks feeling fine, even though the, the window is sort of in the four to eight. 
But the Giants have to be super careful here. They're not going anywhere this season. It's not worth rushing him back. So they need to take their time with this. The bye week is what? Seven weeks? Something like that when they come back? I think that's the most realistic thing. So let's count it, okay? So he gets injured in Tampa. They got Washington, Minnesota, New England. Arizona's four weeks, 10 days between those two games. So that would probably be the earliest he comes back. Five is Detroit. Six is Dallas. Seven is the Jets. Eight is a bye. Give him an extra week. Nine would be coming back for at Chicago against the Bears. All right. So, you know, I think the Cowboys or Jets is the most realistic. Maybe uh, the bye, we're talking about a long time, nine weeks. He, I don't know if you're going to be able to keep him down for nine weeks, but somewhere in that six range, I think is going to be realistic here. Now, if Saquon had his druthers, it would be earlier. Now, some other bad, uh, some concerns that the tackles of the Giants struggle. Nate Solder's got to play better. I mean, he just got demolished by Shaq Barrett. Uh, he was just, I know. The Bucks got the pin areas back and pressure. But, look, Nate Solder looked much like Nate Solder looked at the beginning of last year, which was not great. And he's going to have to play better than that. I'm sure he knows he didn't play a great game. I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. We're taping this on Tuesday. But that wasn't his best effort. And the Giants, they want it. That, it's very important to the Giants. <laughs> it should be the number one priority right now is that Daniel Jones stays upright this season. And he does not get injured. They do not need him under intense Ridiculous pressure week after week after week. Can't have that. So Nate Soldier's going to have to play better. The defense in general is still a problem. What did the Bucks score in their first five possessions? There's just no talent in that group whatsoever. Uh, I mean, look around the field. There's just not enough talent. I'm sorry. I know some people want to blame James Betcher, but look, he's already dumbed it down. They're already doing basically nothing. And they still look lost at times. So, I mean, I I have a hard time just putting it on him. Just have a hard time putting it on the defensive coordinator when that's the unit they're putting out on the field. I really do. But they were better in the second half, at least, for the second straight week. Now, this week, this is the final bad. It's possible. The New York Giants, they're two inside linebackers. Starting are Ryan Connolly, fifth-round rookie out of Wisconsin, and David Mayo, a waiver claimer signing right before the season, days before the start of the season, who's really a special teamer. That could be the New York Giants starting middle linebackers in week four against the Washington Redskins. I'll leave you with that. On to the next one. Yes, it's time to answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in this week's Giants After Dark. Yep, the page is turned. We're answering questions, and they're going to be some positive ones now, because you know what? There's some positives to talk about, finally. I know they're one and two. Can be two and two. They beat the Redskins. 
which they probably should at home, although they're pretty shorthanded. But reason to be optimistic nonetheless, because if you find your franchise quarterback, that's a darn good piece to have. So first question, Giants fan in D.C., Joe Smith says, do you think Shermer wanted to start Jones from the beginning? He seemed itching to get him in, first in garbage time, and then the week three start. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who do believe that, and there's some evidence to show that, you know, it's a reasonable line of thinking. Now, I think, in general, he didn't want to do it. He still wanted to run back Eli. If, if, if Pat Shermer was so adamant against bringing Eli back, I don't think he would be back. I think he would have put his foot down. But he was on board with that plan. And once he was on board with that plan, and I was told this by sources, Eli was going to start. Even though he was blown away by Daniel Jones, I think he thought they would be able to do stuff and win with Eli Manning. Then he realized, and it took two weeks, that even the improved offensive line wasn't going to do it. That Daniel Jones, and, and this is the interesting part, Pat Shermer flat out said, he thought that Daniel Jones was the better option. He's the one who initiated this move. He went up, he went upstairs and said, look, I need to put in Daniel Jones. Got Gettleman on board. And then they went to John Mara. And once the, the, the coach and GM are on it, the, the owner is not going to veto it. It's not going to happen. So that's how Daniel Jones becomes a starter. Now, I, I really don't think – now, I do think he was itching to get him in. Once he knew that Daniel Jones was great. But I don't think he wanted to start Daniel Jones from the beginning. So, there's that. Question number two, CB Rivera, too. You're rep representing the people. You're a man of the people on this one because I got this bunch from a bunch of different people. What can the Giants get in a trade for Jackrabbit? So, you're talking about Janaris Jenkins there. And my answer to this is going to be not a ton. Now... His contract is reasonable, but this isn't this is this would be a rental. And a rental for a guy that quite honestly isn't playing great in the middle of the season, which is pretty rare for you to trade guys, right, in the middle of the season. Now, first of all, let's let me let me go over this. The Giants' top three salary cap hits or top three salaries are Eli Manning, Nate Solder, and Janaris Jenkins. I'd say they're not getting a lot for their money, especially the other day. In Tampa Bay from those three guys. It's kind of crazy to think about. But, all right, Janaris Jenkins' salary. Actually, he has two years left. I'm sorry. So he's two years at $10.15 million each year. Okay, with, with a $1 million roster bonus each year. So really, he gets uh, 11 dollars not crazy if it's a high-end cornerback. Is he really playing as a high-end cornerback? Eh. Our team's dying to bring in a $11.5 million contract cap hit for that kind of production. I don't know. I, I think he's useful to a team, like let's say the Kansas City Chiefs. But I don't think you're going to get a lot in return. I think maybe you get a mid-round pick, a fourth-round pick. Then the flip side is, do the, are the Giants really going to go and trade Janaris Jenkins? Because what are they going to put out on the field if they trade Janaris Jenkins? You're going to have two rookies out there? You're going to have Corey Ballantyne and DeAndre Baker? I mean, that has 
If you thought this Sunday was bad, I don't know what the heck that would be like. I mean, two rookies on the field, that's one of the hardest positions to play. It's not like they have a veteran guy they could throw in there. In the meantime, I mean, I guess you could put Grant Haley on the outside. They don't really seem to be inclined to do that. We saw what happened if they put Antonio Hamilton in. So, I mean, if they did that, I mean, they should just tell James Betcher, we don't, we don't care how bad your defense is. Because what is he going to do? You're going to go and then put blame on him when you have two starting rookie cornerbacks from the, uh, uh, one who's at the end of the first round who's struggling and the other one from like what the, was sixth round Corey Ballantyne? Jeez. So, at, at Nick underscore six asked for the next question. Second week in a row that with the defense looking much better in the second half. Why is that? That's a fair question. But, I think teams have found ways to exploit them, which is eventually is actually just throw it deep at their at you know get their safeties to bite, safeties and linebackers to bite and hit and take advantage of their cornerbacks downfield, and then at halftime, the Giants and James Betcher have been able to go in and make some adjustments, get it a little better. Now in this case, also I think the offense getting some life with that seventy-five yard touchdown to Evan Ingram. Sort of got the defense going a little bit. They were hyped up. They were getting the pressure. You could sense that the, the the buzz in the stadium. And that's something I think we should look for this week. Play the Redskins. Stadium's going to have a little buzz. Daniel Jones' first home start. I think that kind of stuff can be a catalyst, as Pat Shermer said a little bit. I really do think that. So I don't really have a full explanation from it. I just think when teams are able to sit there and study the Giants' defense, and the talent that's on that field, they just have, they just, you know, Bruce Arians is going, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, look, look what I could do to this defense. And that's why the first half of these games, they're just getting torn apart. The Giants don't seem to know what's going on. So at Travis LD8 asks, Daniel Jones, the greatest athlete to walk this earth? Yeah, I think that's fair to put him in the category. I mean, Jim Brown, uh, Jim Thorpe, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and then Daniel Jones. I mean, did you see what he did out there in his first career start? I'm pretty sure that Daniel Jones one day is going to, you know, go to the moon, visit the sun, you know, rewrite the record book. Become president of the United States. Guy does it all. Let's, we're not getting ahead. I, don't, I really don't think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. I mean, this is this is what Danny Dines brings to the table. Next question at Jim Viviano: Will New York Giants be awesome next year after using all their dead cap money and draft cap on D? And Jim, I think the expectations for this team should be. To be a really good team by 2021, not next year. Next year's the come up. Next year should be, all right, we got our quarterback. We got Saquon. All right, we got a, a real defensive piece here or there from free agency. And they go, let's say nine and seven or 10 and six. They make the playoffs. They pay their dues. They get beat up a little bit. They're not a great team, but they're a much better team. And then the next year, Year three of Daniel Jones. And we're getting ahead of ourselves here, obviously. But then again, the guy's uh, one of the greatest athletes ever to walk the earth. But 
then 2021 should be the year that you're really looking for the Giants to be great. Because I, I don't get carried away with this cap space stuff. The Giants will be able to make some moves, make some big additions. But A, that's not the way you want to build your team. Flawed way to build a team. We already know that. Right? It's been proven a hundred times. The Giants did it a few years back. Then what? Short, uh, short-term game for a long-term pain. And then you also have to take into consideration every team around the league has money. I mean, the Giants with all their money aren't even the top, are going to be a top five team with money available in free agency. So remember that. Other teams can sign players too. They'll get, they'll get some players. They'll get a big player or two on defense. But I think that's what they should do. You want to get a, add a piece or two, a big piece or two, and then add, build internally and build within. And then you get your team and you go forward. And that's how you build a good team, in my opinion. How much can the Giants, this is from Jay, at JM Silberman, how much can the Giants rely on Wayne Gallman in terms of the game plan over the next several weeks? Do you see 15 to 20 touches a game? I do. I do see Wayne Gallman is their guy. They're going to ride Wayne Gallman right now. I know a lot of people were down on him. I see people didn't, didn't love him during the preseason. Uh, some people questioned whether he was going to make the team, which I never thought really was a, a, in doubt. But Wayne Coleman's their guy right now. A, they don't have a lot of other guys, okay? And um, we're doing this on a Tuesday. They're going to add a guy later. I, I'm not so sure it's going to be a big name running back. If, if my gut tells me right, because I've poked around and I haven't found most of the guys say, you know, some of these veteran, big name veteran running backs, it's been like, eh, no, not at this time, the Giants said. So. Uh, I think maybe they'll claim some, whatever, whoever they do add, because they're going to add someone right now. Goldman's the only healthy tailback on the active roster. It might be one of the guys from the practice squad. But whoever does come up, I think will more fill that passing game role. And Wayne Goldman's going to be the guy that carries the ball. And they're no, they don't want to get Daniel Jones killed. So there's going to be a big emphasis on running the ball. And Wayne Goldman's going to be the one who gets it. Now, will he be their passing down back? I'm not so sure about that. But he's going to be the guy who's carrying the ball 15 times a game. He can run, too. You'll see. He runs hard, pretty well, does a good job. I think he'll be able to run the ball successfully, at least relatively, because you have to think about it. They play the Redskins this week, which the Giants have some some success. The next two games are a little bit tougher, especially for them offensively. That's against the Vikings and the Patriots. You can make the argument those are the two best defenses in the league. So... Works cut out for him, but I believe, yes, Wayne Gallman is the guy. If you're talking about fantasy, I would pick up Wayne Gallman. Especially if you're looking for possible success in three or four weeks down the line. Or as a trade asset. It's the way I would look at it. All right, final question from Steve Odyssey on uh, Instagram. With the shift in morale and potential of this offense with Daniel Jones, what are the odds Gettleman pulls a big trade for a defensive talent so that we can actually compete? We are not one player away on defense, but we need at least one player, right? I don't see that being the case now. You're not going to maximize, you're not going to get the best value on guys now. In the middle of a season. No, no, teams aren't willing to, aren't, aren't dying to get rid of good players. First of all, I would be stunned. I really, 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 really doubt that they're going to be in on Jalen Ramsey. Don't see that. I've heard actually the opposite on that. So no on Jalen Ramsey. If that's what you were thinking. Other guys, I still find it hard to believe that that's going to be an in-season move. Now, I wouldn't count anything out. 
completely because Dave Gettleman has shown that he's going to be aggressive, that he's willing to make trades. I just don't see that right now. What's the point of them rushing to do that now? The in-season trade is more for the team that is saying, we're all in, we're trying to win it right now. The Giants, definitely, definitely not in that category right now. Even with Danny Dimes. On to the next one. Okay, we're going to close this episode with a little Jordan on the beat. Or I'm going to tell you a little bit what it's like to be a New York Giants writer, reporter, following the team around the country. Then I'll give you a little prediction and we'll get out of here, right? This is the Danny Dimes podcast episode. Finally positives. I mean, all you guys think thinking I, I, I'm never positive. See? See? A lot of positives here in this episode. A lot of positives. And part of the reason that is because I feel rejuvenated as well. Because I left that game the other day. I mean, I was pumped up. I mean, it gets your juices going to watch a game like that. It gets you excited. And to be quite honest with you, and this is why Giants fans are feeling so good after that game, I joined the beat in 2013. They were already, what, 0-6? My first game was the... Uh, win over the Vikings on the Monday night where Josh Freeman played what a lot of people call the single worst quarterback game in NFL history. And I saw a lot of junk games, just junk, over these last, what, uh, six years? 100% junk. But this was like me getting able to wake up at a ground high. Like the stories were getting older. It's getting older. Running back Eli, they're stuck. This organization is stuck in in their own way. They can't they can't move the turn the page and move forward. Which in retrospect we all know should have happened when they benched Eli the first time. They should have rebuilt right there. They went six and eighteen afterwards. Obviously a wasted time. Everybody's time. I was stuck in a vortex, and all of a sudden. They put in Daniel Jones a little bit surprisingly for week three, and he puts that kind of performance on on the field, and you're all excited. And really, to me, I mean, that's one of the best games to cover in the six years I've been here. I was trying to think, what's even comparable? Like There was a game in the 2017 opener when Victor Cruz... You know, scored his first touchdown in his comeback after missing like two years. The Giants ended up having a good year that year. The the Odell against the Ravens later that year, where he uh, gets almost 200 yards in the entire in the second half. He had 191, I believe, 200 total. Carries the team, takes a I believe a, a fourth down play and takes it to the house. But that first half of that game was brutal. The, the Ravens were just beat up beyond belief and Giants were playing terrible, but, and he had to save them. Maybe the best game that I've covered, or at least the event that I've covered on this beat was when Odell made the catch against the Cowboys. That was incredible. I remember sitting there and all of a sudden, usually don't say anything. You, you know, even when, uh, the end of this game and when Daniel Dime, Danny Dimes was doing this the other day, you're quiet and you're just, you know, going about your business. Oh, nice play. Wow. That's impressive. Great throw. Stuff like that. But when Odell made that one-handed catch, I remember I was sitting in my chair and I jumped up. Whoa! Holy cow! He just did that? That catch was special. So that was a great moment, not a great game. 
uh, that I covered. So that was, that was, that's up there. The Odell Norman when they fought on the field was maybe the most shocking game I've watched. Maybe, uh, I've never seen anything like it in my, in my life. Couldn't take my eyes off it. Two of them are basically fighting on the field every single play for four quarters and nobody's stopping it. It's like a, a legendary boxing match going on in the middle of a football game. These two legendary fighters going toe-to-toe, throwing haymakers, until finally Odell turned himself into a human missile, tried to decapitate Josh Norman. One of the most crazy things I've ever seen. I don't even know why I'm laughing. That was a disgusting hit. The 52-49 loss to the Saints, maybe, is up there for best games I've seen since coming on the beat. But if you want to look at the positive side, I mean, this is right up there at the top. I think it's the number one thing I've covered. Number one game I've covered. And if you're a Giant fan, it's probably right, it might be the, the best win they've had in the last six years. Not saying much, but still. That's my list of memorable moments slash best games I've covered since joining this beat. All right. So let's get a little prediction here. Giants, Redskins, Sunday, an opportunity to move to two and two. Get a little hope, albeit I still don't think, and I don't think many people are going to be real believers in them making the playoffs, even if they're 2-2. Two and two. But you could believe, you could pretend in the meantime, if they beat the Redskins. My prediction, Giants, 30, Danny Dimes with another impressive game. Redskins, 27. I still expect the Redskins offense to have some success against this Giants defense. Just don't see them shutting down anybody. Anytime soon. I don't care if Case Keenum's the quarterback. I care if it's Colt McCoy. Dwayne Haskins. Doesn't matter. You'll have some success against this defense. But the Giants win at home in what's going to be a fun atmosphere at MetLife Stadium again. Something that hasn't been the case for much of the past six years. 2017 was nice. That was pretty good. Those home games were fun. When the Giants were a playoff team, went 11 and 5. Defense played exceptional. But this, this is going to have a feeling of something fresh, something new. It's going to be enjoyable. It's going to have a little buzz. And that's what we want. That's what we needed. We were stuck in this same thing over and over and over again, like Groundhog's Day. I'm now Bill Murray, who finally wakes up and it's a new day. It's a beautiful morning. Da da da. And Danny Dimes is the quarterback for the New York Giants. And with that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, you can catch us anywhere where you catch pretty much you get you get your podcasts. You can reach out to me, Twitter, email, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. I'll get it at some point. Feel free to throw your questions my way. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com Giants reporter. See you next time.